You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocals of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I hang out with fellow musicians and we talk about their lives, their music, and most importantly, craft beers. Just came back from a crazy, crazy weekend at Heavy Montreal. It was unbelievable. I uh, am completely overwhelmed with the amount of interviews that I got accomplished this past weekend. I have a total of 18 interviews, which I conducted over three days. Uh, it was just totally, totally unbelievable. So much fun. Such a great festival. Huge shout out and a huge thank you to uh, all the people that helped make this possible. Huge shout out to JF Michaud, a Vox and Hops alumni, to Nick Farkas, a Vox and Hops alumni, to Lisa Lee, to my producer, Jessica Buckingham, to Dan Lima for delivering me some craft beers to share with my guests, and to Marie Madou Langois from Brasseur de Montréal for hooking me up with some great products to share with all my guests. They absolutely, sincerely, really appreciated it. Cheers to you all. Thank you so much. I had such a great experience at Heavy Montreal. I can't wait to go back and to do it all over again. Today on the podcast, I am with Derek Schlether, the bassist of Gamma Ray. Check it out. Here it is, Vox and Hops, episode number 44. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Derek Schlesser. <laughs> hey, everybody. How was that you? close? Was that close? That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and you're from Gamma Ray. Mm. We are at Heavy Montreal. Yeah. And uh, we're about to drink a beer together. Yeah. So cheers, okay. brother. Uh-huh. Well... This is a uh, Granville Island Brewing West Coast IPA. It was given to me by the brewery to share with my friends and my guests on the podcast. So thank you so much for coming all the way. Yeah, from Artist World. It was a hard way to find this, but finally I made it. Yeah. It's a big site. Yeah, it's a real it's big a really site. Big I was site. surprised when I saw it. We had a planning like to go to the stage and backstage, and again. And I, I went to the stage and stayed there because it it's was just too, too difficult to get yeah. too long to get way back to, to the artist area and back. So I stayed at the stage. You have to direct. take these little golf carts. Yeah, I didn't take them so far. I had just one trip with this VIP car right now. The VIP <laughs> to, black to bring me here on time for this interview. That's amazing. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Let's start off simple. Let's talk about you in your youth. What was the soundtrack to your youth? You growing up in your house, what music was playing? When I was a kid yeah. or when I was like a teenager? No, you as a kid. I want to know what your parents listened to. Ah, uh, yeah, the parents. Well, actually, the first album that really caught my attraction was Abraxas by Carlos Santana. Really? Yeah, I listened to that album. And at the age of six, I think, I found this album. The cover was interesting. I mean, it was six years old, so I didn't know what the big boobs on that album meant and everything. <laughs> but it looked really interesting. I don't know why. <laughs> Is that the one with the lion? And That's no, with the black lady playing yes. naked with oh, the fruits and all yes, that. Yes, of course. It's very interesting and so to a six-year-old boy. And the colorful. <laughs> <laughs> it was so colorful, and this black lady with the bare nice. boobs there, it somehow caught my interest, I don't know how, at six years. <laughs> so I, I listened to that album really a thousand times, I think. You know? Did you I, grow up from a family of musicians? My father played uh, clarinet. Nice. And he was into like all traditional jazz music, you know? And, uh, well, that. And my mom send like my brother and me she, she, she send us to a music school to a local 
music school from the from the town you know from the it was supported from the town uh, we went there at the age of eight and nine learning glockenspiel and yes, learning how course, to read yes. music then I, I played two years the, the, the flute the soprano flute from like written music and then I started uh, playing classical guitar uh, and to the bass I came very late to the bass I was working in a music store and there were the basses <laughs> and then there were the time of I was listening to Stanley Clark and then was level 42 marking so I was interested in this slap yes of this course yes, 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 yes. so I started slapping the bass actually just this slapping and I had kind of a talent I was listening to stuff and I knew how to do it you could like I mimic couldn't, it just I by could, I could not do it I need to practice this but I, I just by listening I had an idea how he does it interesting so, it's all before YouTube before all the videos so you had to have this this intuition yeah, there, yeah later I tried to play all that shit you know Level 42, and then I saw Level 42 in the Rock Palast. Rock Palast, this was a program, famous program. Of course, yes. Yeah. In Germany, and then I saw how how he did it. You know? And how accurate <laughs> were you? I was pretty good, actually. Yeah, yeah. Really, really. I, I couldn't explain to me some tricks. He had some triplet stick yes, tricks. Yes, yes, the, the, the popping, I was, the, the pinky popping. I was popping, just yeah. listening to that and saying, oh, what the fuck, how is this guy doing that? And then I saw it finally, and I knew it was this hammer on with the, with the yeah, left hand. Yeah. Yeah. which made another like sound like a hit from the thumb. So and then I said, "This boss said that's the way." Okay, <laughs> yeah, that was when I started playing the bass with 19, and then somehow things happened by circumstances. You know, some some uh, a singer was from a from a band was uh, looking for a bass player. He he was in this music store. He saw me playing bass in the corner. And he liked the stuff, and he just asked me if I could, if I could take an audition and come and play. And so I, I, so I was a bass player suddenly. <laughs> But if you weren't there that day, you decided not to go to that music store that day and sit in that corner and play the no, bass. No, well, I was working in that music store, okay, so okay, okay. I was there anyway, yeah, yeah. you know, and uh, but the circumstance that this guy from this town, and this music store was in a pretty small town, that he just came there was a real circumstance. So, like many things in my life, you can't, like, like when I met, how I came to Gamma Ray, I met Kai Hansen, 89, in uh, uh, Compact Chorus at the university, in Hamburg, uh, this uh, kind of popular popular music compact course that they did this in the in the vacations of the normal university. So it was two times two weeks, and they choose out of 300 musicians all over Germany. They choose 60 for participating in this compact course. I was already proud to be in this. And of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Kai Hansen was there, looking for new influences, new musicians just right after he left Halloween. It's and so he, funny how life works. Yeah, and yeah. that was really... Yeah that, yeah, that was the point. Like, the right moment, the right place. I feel that that's my life, too. The same thing. <laughs> same thing with my career. And, with, yeah. like, starting my bass career was the same thing somehow, you know? And then hard work. Once you're, once, of course. Once, once, once you're there, it, you, you, you have to hustle and push to the end. Yeah. Take a sip. You are from Germany. I'm from Germany, but I live now since four years. I live in Mexico. Do you? I moved to Mexico. It was too cold. Getting, you know, I'm getting older, and I don't like the cold anymore. What What, what made that transition happen? Well, I, my my wife is 
Mexico. Beautiful, okay. And yeah. we met in Hamburg and we lived together in Hamburg. We got married in Hamburg. And well, 40, uh, 2014, actually 2012 already, we were like looking for something else. She, with her career, she couldn't go on in Hamburg. It was difficult, so, uh, and she wanted to study something. And finally, we ended up like visiting Mexico and we made a spontaneous decision. Well, we looked around and she had some friends living in Cancun. She's from Mexico City. And uh, so we stayed there 2014 looking and then there was this this offer for a small house at a real nice price. <laughs> a new house. Compared, to, compared to Germany. Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. You can buy a garage in Hamburg for this money. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so and it was not built yet, but so we made the contract, and one year later we moved there. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah and uh, she started uh, to study there at the university and working at the uh, German consulate. And uh, because she, she speaks, speaks German, was my next yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, well, I, I well, uh, I did first in the first year. We still had a lot of jobs with Gamma Ray, a lot of shows. tours, and yep. And uh, so the first year I was not very much time there, you know. And, but then <laughs> you, you even land, more. And then there, came yeah. the break uh, with Halloween. That's correct. Yeah, because they did the, re was, the re reunion tour. And I didn't knew this was going to happen when we moved there, you know. So ah. actually it was pretty good because uh, all the money I saved, you know, as a musician, when you do this like all your life, you get used to uh, having... Like a certain a amount reserve, of money, yeah, you know, exactly. because always you need you make money on a tour, you get some money from the record company, but then you have some month where well, no you have income. nothing coming in, and yeah. so you're used to that. And actually, you start living by the things you have done one and up, um, up to two years before, mm -hmm. you know, they pay off the future, yeah, the, those the little next year quiet and, moments yeah. in between tours. So, yeah. So I could make it over this time with uh, in Mexico. The living is a little bit cheaper, so I Absolutely, could make it. Yeah. I started doing some jobs there as well. In really? Yeah, yeah. Really? I worked as a nice side job, I must really say, as a tourist guide for uh, German tourists on a small island, a national park, a, re a, a real ecological paradise. It's That's awesome. It's a natural park, an island of Contoy. And at the coral reef, I went snorkeling with them, explaining oh, them the corals. Beautiful. That sounds beautiful. And it's not too many people, and it's not like this party trip, yes, yes, whatever. Yes, yes, I could yes. not do this. I don't like no, that. I don't, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm over that, yeah. Yeah. And now we're back with Gamma Ray, and uh, just for some festivals. We'll see what's going on. Next year is actually 30 years Gamma Ray live on stage. The first production of Heading for Tomorrow was 89, yeah. Um, Congratulations! That's, and, that's and next year is thirty years, so we need to celebrate this. I, I agree. And I just found out that like Halloween, they will do an album now with Kai and with uh, Kiske together. Like the lineup they had on the uh, on the reunion tour, the Pumpkins United tour. That's, that's they right. Had. Yeah. So they will do this album whenever. 
they're working on it right now. I don't know. Is exactly. that a moment that you have concern? Like when when you heard that they were going to do the reunion thing, that they would take back full force, and then Gamma Ray would go on the back burner? Yeah, that was of course we knew it, and but actually we thought we would do an album with Gamma Ray this year. Mm -hmm. You know, and when we heard that Kai has only he, he told us he can only do some festivals with us no more. Well, he's married again. He's he became father again in January, so he has a small kid, and yes, he doesn't yes. want to be like uh, away all the time. I understand that. I got little kids all yeah, the time yeah. in studio or on 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 Understandable, stage. Yeah. So he said he can only do some festivals, uh, and then he said, "Well, we said, well, what's going to happen with Gamma Ray then?" So now it's like maybe we have the chance because Halloween will start after next summer touring. So we can do something maybe in January or February, like a small EP, like yeah. presenting this quick meeting up in the studio. Like everybody comes with an idea, and we will make a recording setup like Deep Purple. Yeah, yeah. Well, James, live just with live two guitars, yeah. not with the keyboards. But maybe we will even invite the keyboard player we're working for this session and just do work on the ideas but record immediately like mm -hmm. in the old days mm -hmm. everything together on the, off the yeah? floor yeah. then you can overdub it and do the choirs and all of that course, shit of course but like maybe we do this just an EP special package whatever the, the record company will will not like the idea of an EP because they don't make money with EPs they don't like EP <laughs> I know they don't being, being from a vantage these two EPs they back want to, back. to have uh, LPs or just a single, which... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Long enough to be on a vinyl, that's for sure. <laughs> so, and then doing, like, festivals. We're not doing a nightliner tour. We have done this with 25 years of Gamma in Europe. And I don't think we should do that again. But do from from June till the end of All August, the festivals. Celebrate the 30 years. All the festivals. Headline whacking. Mm. Yeah, maybe no, headline. I don't know. <laughs> maybe we get a good position for this yeah, absolutely, reason yeah. because we helped out Wacken in the early years when the Wacken festival was just small in the building was about, stages, There was a yeah. time they were fighting to survive. Absolutely. And we played uh, at that time, so the guy still knows us and we have a good relationship so maybe he will give us a, a good slot for for this event 30 years of gamma ray if you could travel back in time and be on one tour what tour would that be well what tour from the gamma ray tours yeah well there's uh, let's say really early the first tour i really felt like oh this is rock and roll and i'm good was the second tour, because I was playing guitar, you know, and when the, on the first tour, I was really, let's say, nervous and I concentrated not to play any wrong notes mm -hmm. on the guitar, mm -hmm. which was, I was still learning to play this kind, this metal style on, on, on the guitar. And uh, so I was not like that, that, uh, comfortable. that sure, yeah, yeah. comfortable, yeah. But on the second tour, I felt I could move, I could slam that guitar and wave around and all this stuff. And actually just look, and out, I felt look out and really enjoy like, the crowd. Yeah. And I felt really the, the fun of playing guitar in, the, in, in this music. Yeah, and then, well, it changed, but that's so. that was the second tour. It felt really good. And then when I came back to the bass, actually the first tour directly with uh, playing with uh, Daniel Zimmerman when he joined the band that was a blast of course this drummer is really a machine and so powerful 
and we're still good friends actually it's Daniel very important for a bassist and drummer to be connected yeah we were yeah. like poof it was pretty get that rhythm second cool. section yeah. locked in yeah especially yeah in the last years because before he left uh, the, the whole band was well that is another story absolutely but, yeah, I understand yeah but uh, we were really connected we had a good time and he we had always was fun recording with him I recorded his drums mate and he was sitting aside when I recorded my bass. You know, he was like producing me. Let's say you're like a duo. That's amazing. Said, yeah. yeah, because when I when you well, I'm I used to be the main engineer engineer in the yeah. studio for for the camera recordings, and so when it's about bass recordings, Daniel sat there and said, "Yeah, this was good. That was on my drum." You yeah, know? yeah, it's and tight. When he said. Yeah. I was like making, ah, I had a good feeling, but I don't know if it was really on. He said, no, it was not on my drum. <laughs> then I had you to trust play him. it again. You trust him, yeah. And sometimes it was like, ah, I'm not pretty satisfied, you know. And when you record yourself and there's nobody sitting it's beside, hard, yeah. you get your level up and up. You get like, you don't see the trees in the forest anymore. You don't know if you're good or wrong. You try. You, Just you, judging yourself yeah. way too and harshly. And you play... Ten times. When you don't have second, to actually. And the yeah, second yeah. time was already good. Absolutely, I understand. And Daniel exactly. was always, this was on and poof. Move so on. That's good. Next. Uh, so yeah. we had a good time working with this guy, and so the first years, and actually, um, was was pretty improving, progressing. So that was a good time as well. Uh, but actually, if you ask me, look back in time whatever actually the only thing when I see how is producing and working and the sound of the albums today I would love to be like 50 years earlier something like more that more natural yeah less, less 60s digital recorded yes. like and like to play being able to play what I can play today mm-hmm. at that time I would be a bass hero <laughs> <laughs> easily now today if you look on YouTube all these crazy motherfuckers what these they kids do, are crazy yeah. yeah what they do on the bass I mean playing bass in a heavy metal band is something different but all this stuff they do it's amazing you know but I mean technically yeah <laughs> Derek so happy that you came found me here came to drink a beer with me I really appreciate it thank you yeah, so so much I want you to enjoy the rest of Heavy Montreal yeah I need to well they were already waiting for me to get back and I will have to leave the hotel at 5.15 a.m. <laughs> yes oh it's one of those getting to the, it's the only flight directly to Cancun and yeah, take at 8.30 yeah, so take, I have take to a direct, take this take a direct yeah. <laughs> thanks a lot Matt cheers thank you so much I appreciate it Hey, thank you all so much for listening right to the end. Uh, so glad that I had a chance to sit down with Derek. Such a cool dude. So much history, so much, st- so many stories. I could have uh, gone on for a lot longer, but as he mentioned, he uh, actually had a car waiting for him throughout the entire interview so that he can go to the airport to go back home to Mexico. These crazy one-off gigs as a musician is, uh, is always a lot more work than uh, everyone thinks it is. It's extremely tiring, so I appreciate Derek uh, taking the time to come and sit down with me. I had such a great time at Heavy Montreal, as I mentioned. There are many, many more interviews to come. So I hope that you guys have a great week, a great weekend, and remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Opsheads. <laughs>
pay you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha! Huh, how's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2 020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.